My name is Linda Nardelli. I'm a spiritual counselor and the author of Mystical Intimacy. Today, Marlene Loden, an abstract artist, joins me to talk about how reading Chapter 1 in Mystical Intimacy helped her feel a sense of resonance with how creating art is an act of surrender. For her, being an artist is her calling. It's her expression of truth and belonging and her spiritual practice. We have that in common. In this chapter, I share how when I first experienced channeling, I wanted to know how this had come to be. It's not like I set out to learn to channel. I wasn't thinking that I wanted to do channel readings or integrate that with my counseling. I, I just had a yearning to connect really with my being. So when I asked the spirits, well, how did this come to be? They explained to me that I had been initiated into channeling through my art, through the practice of, of getting out of the way and letting the essence of the painting reveal itself. That's been so important to me as an artist. Through my art, my faith and trust was challenged and freed, allowing me to receive the channel guidance without hesitating to understand what was being expressed. I let go into the experience, so I understand that as an artist, my whole premise has been to let the art happen, to bring skill, to bring intention, and surrender. And that's really what channeling is. Marlene is highly intrigued by how art can be a channel for awakened consciousness. In this chapter, I write about how everyone who embarks on the path of healing and spiritual devotion will experience an initial push, a motivating nudge towards awakening. Perhaps it's a strong catalyst such as an illness or an accident, or it can be a, a deep yearning from within for spiritual fulfillment. For Marlene, it's a desire and the willingness to surrender into the unknown, to give herself fully to the creative process. My understanding of awakening, based on Mass India's teaching, is that it is a relinquishing of the holding patterns that cause disharmony and a reconnection with who we truly are. For Marlene, that is what her art is all about. Painting is an act of liberation, she says, and like myself, Marlene allows the creative process to inform her, to show her the true meaning in her art. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I, was, I have to say I was a little nervous because I was like, I don't know if I have, you know, anything insightful to say. But when you invited me and just sort of said you wanted to have a conversation about my reaction to the book, then I was like, okay, well, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the conversations I've been having are so much fun to hear people's insights or how certain passages of the book have moved them. It fascinates me. Well, I probably told you this already, but when I first got the book, I read it really quickly. I remember I was in the city quite a bit and I was traveling and I was on the bus and the ferry and stuff. I had it with me and I was reading it on transit, you know, standing up on the bus and uh, <laughs> things like that. And I just it was almost like I, it was like a sponge. I was like, <laughs> absorbed it. And then I had to go back and reread it again. And then it was, it's been, it's been great to go back to it again, um, preparing to, to have this conversation with you because it's been a while since I've read it and realizing that some of those books that you could live on your shelf that you can go back to, um, mm -hmm. whether you open it at random or whatever. But I think every time you go through it, there's like another reveal or another layer. So far, that's what's happening for me. Ah, I get that myself. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll read it. I'm like, I wrote this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't know. It was so brilliant. <laughs> 
That's so great. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I really need the reminder today. And, I, and I'll often have clients say that to me. It's like, oh, I needed the reminder. And it's like, yeah, me too. I mean, one of the things that you said, you said, or I don't know who said the first chapter was that, you know, the human mind just gets in the way. And it's nice to hear that even though you have just such a rich connection to spirit, that your, you know, human mind gets in the way too. And that you, that was one of the things actually I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about today. Yeah, for me, I mean, the first chapter obviously really resonated with me, Linda, because when you wrote Art Literally Saved My Life, it was like, I felt like either I was writing the book or you were speaking directly to me because our stories are very parallel in that way. And that as a painter, art has really been, yeah, savior. And also, I have to say really the connector for me, you know, the the connector for me to spirit, because it is when my mind can take leave and I can really just be in that space of pure joy. And there's this sort of like, I just lose time and space. And I think, Mm. I think, I don't know what it's like for you, you know, when you channel or when you speak, but I imagine that there is probably a little bit of that feeling of of not really noticing, you know, how much time has gone by or whatever. Oh, very, very much. It's uh, interesting. When I first learned to channel, I didn't set out to learn to channel. It's something that more came to me. And when I asked the spirits, well, how did I learn to do this? What happened? And they said it was through my art. And I think that's something that you and I have a similar, a common thread here. And is that our whole intention as artists is to get out of the way and to let the art paint itself, to inform us, to breathe its own life that we then become a witness to. And I just, I've learned so much from the painting and there's so many messages There's and also in the process of making the art. And you've talked about that yourself, just the, how much you love the process, not just the finished piece. No, it's not really about the finished, not at all. It's about that ride, that journey. And I think with art, but like, and I say joy, you know, but I, because I think of joy as being a word more like contentment as opposed to happy, because honestly, like, my art making is a struggle too. Like it's, it's a challenge as well, which is, which is, I think sometimes people think that maybe artists are just happily painting away, you know, but there is that struggle and there's, you come across all those things like the doubt. And I think the art is kind of like a mirror of our sort of fears in the, in the world or, or our, our joys or whatever, like it's like a reflection, reflection back to me. And I wonder too if maybe even just the process of it is a little bit of a reflection of our push pull with the idea and the connection to spirit. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like when I do allow myself to be more open to spirit, then the little mind comes in and the doubt comes in and all those kinds of things. The critic comes in, and that's exactly what happens in front of the canvas too. So it's, I wonder sometimes maybe if there's like that's a parallel as well. Oh goodness. Think of the harmony that you're ultimately creating within these these contrasts that are part of our humanity. We're human and spirit united. And I love how my book centers on that because oftentimes as spirit in a spiritual life, we often think that we're souls having a human experience. And often there's a belief that the human being, our human experience is the weak link. Right. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say, oh, I'm only human. It was only human. And I'm like, is there something wrong with this being human? Yeah. 
And so I love that you're willing to go to the canvas and you're willing to wrestle and willing to struggle with these contrasts within yourself and not just you, but in us as a society. And think of the finished paint, like think of what the person who gets one of your paintings, think of that interplay of contrast, that struggle, refinement, harmony that they're then hanging on their walls. Yeah, I struggle a lot of times with, with the idea of um, being a painter because it feels like such a selfish thing because I get to do this thing that I, I'm in my lovely studio, my messy but lovely studio, and I'm, I'm just doing this thing that feels so right to me, like so personal and so connected. But then I think there was words in your book that helped me with this too, Linda, is that you know, at the, near the end of the chapter, along the lines of that, yeah, our deepest desire is to serve humanity. And so, yeah, you're right. When someone gets so excited about a piece of mine or they're they're talking to me about it, or you can just, even if they don't purchase it, I don't care. It's just you're, you're at a show with them or you're even online or whatever, they're chatting about something. They've made this connection to it. And you can tell that in a way that connection's like a service. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that a service. Makes me, yeah, it, that helps me rest a little bit in yeah in what I am doing and how I decide to spend my time and you know I'm not spooning out food at <laughs> the food bank or whatever right like I, there's part of me that's like oh you know that you're not doing enough or but then I always just have to remember that if this was not right for me I wouldn't be sticking with it because it's too hard mm-hmm. a painting is not an easy thing because oh, I, I teach know. as well right and um I teach too I teach art as well and not for the faint of heart like it's, it's like a horrible cliche but you have you know what I mean like there's a lot of stuff that you sort of wrestle to make I do anyways to make the work so I have to trust that it's right for me because yeah. I'm still here <laughs> and still dreaming of art and still challenged by it and still excited about it so then I know okay this is supposed to be my service so your heart longs to be in service and at times you, you you're not sure if you're really in that flow because it feels like a selfish act. It feels like they're doing this for you and your own process. And yet when you think of those conversations in your shows and of what people have said in their own experiencing of your art, you see, wow, this is serving in their discovery and their appreciation in their culture and creating culture. Art is, we don't realize the immense gift that it is and how much is part of everything and, and how much it's, I think, of a voice for spirit. Yeah, like I can't imagine my, my world without art, like other people's art, not just my own. I can't imagine it. I, I live for I mean, I just, I'm so excited by and provoked by and mm-hmm. art brings all kinds of things into my life. It's not just about beauty, but it can be, it can wake me up. It can, mm-hmm. there's just so many things that can, it, it does for me. And um, it's new for me, Linda, to, to really feel comfortable with that. I think maybe turning 50 or something, you know, I'm like, finally, I'm like, okay, you know, I think maybe there's other people listening that like they've got a calling or a strong pull towards something and they're um, resisting it because they feel like I have felt like that it's selfish. And, and I think we just need to trust that pull because there's something there. And even if you don't see it immediately, how it will serve others, there is a way that it is going to serve others just because that pull is there for a reason. <laughs> so just trusting that, I think, if so, if anybody else is listening and they're in doubt, please trust and 
That's the key word. That's. I'm curious in your experience how artists, as quote unquote from my book, saved your life, or is it that connection you get from it? Is it that that bravery, that the level of trust that you have to give it, that then gets reflected back to you through your painting? Wow. Yeah. How do I answer that question? How did art save my life? I think art has the process of painting has basically helped me become who I am. And I think it's like a continuation, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the reflecting back. And I think the yeah, art has been my path to know myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I that makes sense. That makes sense. And I, and Mass and D is joining us here. So they have something to okay. say about this. <laughs> All right. I'm excited. To deepen our understanding of how is it that this being creative and giving ourselves to it, it's not just being creative, it's giving ourselves to it fully and having that faith and having that trust. How has it served us? And it's not just art for the listeners. It's the bravery to be our own authentic selves and to face the pushback that happens in life and in our own process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, my dear friend, our dear friend, we want to fully arrive in this body of experiencing. And we would say that for you, painting and teaching are the same. Teaching art and your own process is the same. There's no separation. And for you, it is an embodiment of the experiencing, both internally and externally, simultaneously. It's living the inner world in the way that you interact with others and helping others do the very same thing. The moment that you externalize yourself, that you put yourself out on the canvas without a connection with your inner domain, without a connection to your feelings, without a connection to your breath, without a connection to your body, then what shows up on the canvas isn't you. And of course, then you're dissatisfied with it. That isn't reflecting this inner knowing. So the artist's work is really to bring the inner in view. It's to say to the world, but this too has value. This too is beautiful. This anger is beautiful. This rage, this sorrow, this hurt, this uncertainty. And the artist does not just paint her own anger, fear, sorrow, but the world's. And so you find yourself in the studio and you find yourself in the process of making art as a reshaping of reality. You're saying yes, 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 not only for you, but your husband and your children and everyone you come in contact with and strangers in the supermarket. And all this happens in the unseen realm of creating, which to truly come alive as an artist, you need to be in touch with to some degree. And you do that through your breath. Your art is your meditation. You do that through reconnecting, reconnecting. So when you paint a color, you notice where you feel that in your body. What a great knowing experience for others to learn about. How they too can be in touch with their own bodies, their own experience, in what they do, in what they create, even in conversation, to stay in touch with the inner. So to say that you're in service, Marlene, is an understatement. (laughs) 
I'm just taking a moment to land with that. Yeah, I'm going to take a moment to dry my tears. I feel very, uh, yeah, it is a very vulnerable thing, but I made the decision, uh, especially as an abstract painter, I made the decision years ago to really try my best to be okay with the vulnerable because, or the brave or the, you know, whatever, whatever words you want to use, because then it gives, it hopefully gives other people permission to be the same, Yeah. you know? To draw from that and to be okay with things not being, I want to use the word perfect, it's not even it, explainable or that it's okay for things to be un, like an unknown or not have a why or a reason or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because that's a scary place to be, but it's, it's also really, it's like life. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's so invigorating and, and open and wild and from my little studio, anyways, that's what I, that's what I'm trying to do is give people the, yeah, give people, um, it's okay, you know, let's do it together. Like, I'll hold your hand. I'm doing it. If you want to do it, like, hold my hand and we'll do it together, right? Whether that's just by viewing the work or trying to paint themselves or, um, you know, I, I do that as a counselor. My art is more private practice. It's uh, where I restore my energy, replenish. It's um, yeah. I feel that I feel that when I teach too, I I I get such a high from it because I feel like I'm for some people anyways that I'm kind of like unlocking a little door that yeah. that they have that they've had shut and that they're so curious about but they're really scared, and so I feel like I have um, the ability to hopefully open up some some doors for people and that feels really 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 rewarding. Hmm. Yeah. Would you say that that's what you receive from this chapter in the book? I mean, we're talking about chapter one, but you read the full book. Like, would you say that, yeah. that you receive that sense of unlocking or permission to unlock in some way? Yeah, I think the first chapter in general, basically, for me was I I just became really connected to your personal story. And I thought it was so brave of you to write about your personal story. And so then I felt like I was in a place where I could lean into because I felt like I could trust uh, there uh, because you were so vulnerable. And also the a connection that, that I made with us both being artists was like, okay, you know, this is, it just really, I think that like the gems for me were that idea that we were co that we are co-creators of spirit really uh, resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then I also, I had some, I actually have a question, which is probably not answering your question, but uh, hopefully maybe it will answer some questions for some of your listeners. One of the, the lines that came up with me was that it was sort of like, okay, it's okay. Like we, we don't have to strive to be spiritually connected or a, a spiritual person. Like I remember at one point thinking, oh, like I don't, I'm not burning enough incense and I'm not wearing enough beads <laughs> or whatever it is, right? To be, to consider myself a spiritual person, spiritually connected. So I was like, I was like, no, wait a minute. I just have to be me and that's okay. And that's enough. And I have my daily sort of, you know, rituals or my daily ways that I connect. But so I love that. That was like, ah, I don't have to like work really hard to, prove that to anyone else that I'm spiritually connected or work hard to be spiritually connected. I just am. But then there was also another line at near the end of the, the chapter that said, but we are also, we are responsible for connecting with spirit. And so 
I was wondering if you had something to share because I connect through my art. I have a meditation practice and I, you know, I definitely feel like I'm connecting to spirit when I'm out walking in nature, those kinds of things. But like, I'm not going to say it's easy for you because, you know, you channel. And so, you know, you have this little like this line that the rest of us or many of us don't have. But putting yourself in my shoes, if I was going to take this more responsibility for my connection spirit, which is something that I'd like to do, what would you suggest that I do? Hmm. I think of that line in the end of that chapter and the thought that comes to me is um, a lot of times people's relationship with the spiritual or the connection with the spiritual tends to be to give their power away to the spiritual. So the idea that it's up to us in our, as in our human beingness to be responsible for the connection comes from a, you know, an experience I had a, a long time ago. Someone came to me and she says, well, you're so lucky. You, you get to you know, have that connection with spirit. You, you're always being told what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, really? I wish it was that simple. And when I first started channeling, I came to it naively like that. I came to it wanting answers. But our human idea of answers isn't necessarily spirit's idea of answers because we're in a linear mindset and they're not. They're multidimensional. And the way that we absorb information is therefore linear. It's sequential. So their understanding can take us time to absorb and work through, which is what you do in your art. Right. So from that perspective, I want to say that, yes, you are connecting with spirit through your bravery, through your commitment, through living your passion, which is a risk Uh every single day. Being authentic, being who we really are is a risk. And right now in our world with, with the pandemic, as it is, I'm noticing less and less of that more and more people are trying to figure out what's the rules. How do I behave here? Yeah. What's acceptable. And I kind of don't really know, like, where are you? Yeah. I'm I'm feeling lonely for deeper connection. I'm seeing people not only behind a mask, but I'm seeing them behind a different kind of mask an energetic mask. I get it. I get that too, Linda. Yeah. Where I I, eye contact feels like it's risky. Like I really try to make eye contact with strangers and people because they need it. Yeah, I try to smile with my eyes. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I I love your answer because you didn't really, you didn't, you didn't really got to go well when you wake up in the morning at 5 a.m. You should be doing this, 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 and this. And see, this is this is a question I have for you too. Is like so the idea is to ask, ask for guidance, but that also sometimes like maybe I'm just such a, a polite Canadian. Asking for guidance also sort of feels a little bit selfish. Like it's all about me, you know. Like can you just help me out here? So I I also feel too that I I don't ask because I feel like well I can figure it on my own or you're busy you got big problems to deal with spirit like you got stuff to do my little asks are like you know whatever low on the tonal pole so what would you say to something like that attitude <laughs> oh oh goodness you've asked me a tough question <laughs> sorry but it, it just, no. you understand where I'm where I'm coming from Oh, that's one of my one of my questions. You know? I love it. I love it. I love it because it really sheds light for me on how a lot of people think. Okay, good. Yeah, it helps me see that so many people try to do things themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's the 
the gift right now, I know I keep bringing us back to the pandemic, but I'm noticing a flood now of, of people not being able to contain it, not being able to do it themselves, not being able to process their emotions alone. More and more people are reaching for, in my case, counseling and our spiritual mentoring or something to connect with. Oh, I've taught so many online art classes for the very same reason, because people are just looking for a way to connect and a way to connect to, you know, connect within. Yeah. And I don't think that we're, I feel vulnerable saying this. No, go for it. I don't think we're meant to do this alone. I don't think we're meant to evaluate the significance of our asks, of our need for spirit. You know, we tend to decide what's worthy, not worthy of asking for support. And I think for me, asking for support or asking for guidance Again, going back to partnership rather than they having an authority and us being children. True. Partnership, we're giving them information of what's going on for us. But think of it just in your marriage. If you're telling your beloved, I can do it myself, I should be able to do it myself, then you're not guiding him or inviting him into taking care of you and showing him how that would, what need that would meet for you. But to ask for help, and open that door, however the help comes, because it's out of our control, right? mm. is really vulnerable. Yeah, maybe that's some of, maybe my reservation to ask is also like, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> because I have been on the receiving end of guidance and you're like, wow, okay. You know, I, I wasn't prepared for like, wow, okay. You know, here we go. And sometimes, um, I think part of your the first chapter too. I, the reason I resonated with it so much was when you talked a lot about your your resistance to. I remember myself in my early thirties. If you would have said to me that I would consider myself connected to spirit, I would have laughed right in your face. And I really resisted for so long too. And I think what this conversation is reminding me of is also that feeling of you know when the when the blinds start to come up and the light starts to come in. Mm-hmm. It is kind of scary because you start to realize that you're really responsible for your happiness, your wellness, your life. You can't go around like just head in the sand, blaming everybody else for how you experience this gift that we have. And I remember when that blind started kind of coming up and being excited about it, but also being, oh my gosh, like I remember there was times where I was like, praying that the blind would just go back down. Like I wanted to put my head back in the sand because it was a comfortable place. It was a place that I had known for 30 some on years. And yeah, when you wrote about the resistance, I was like, oh, Linda, I totally get that too. Because there were definitely times where I was like, can I just go back to the blinds down, please? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to connect to this. This is too vulnerable. And to be able to live your true sort of self, you're, you're always sort of in a place of uncomfortableness. Right. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That takes a while to kind of get used to. So, yeah, I don't know how that came up for me just now, but hopefully that makes some sense to the rest of the, of the our conversation. But it's it just um, something I wanted to share as well. So, if there are people who are listening as well who are feeling that uncomfortableness yeah. of, um, of sort of, I don't want to use the word awakening. I like the idea of light kind of coming in more for me. If that's happening for you right now too, if you're listening, then just hold on. It's worth it. It's just a transition that you're going to 
probably always continuously go through, but you get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> That's it. That's it right there. We get more comfortable with the uncomfortable. That's it. That's not my book. You, you just, you just, that's what my, that's what my book's about. It's, that's what my practice is about is leaning into the unease. I had a, oh, I had an email from somebody just yesterday looking for help in dealing with her gremlins, her negative thinking. She said she had an awakening and it's such a sublime state, but she has a hard time maintaining the feeling of it. And I can see her mind crowding the feeling with the idea of which she should be experienced is positivity, being happy, um, being comfortable. I mean, that our ego consciousness just is, that's our survival. We need that. So you get this opening and opening is this, sense of love and we want love to be comfortable but love isn't comfortable love sheds light into every corner it sheds light into our shadows it and we want to get rid of our shadow no no i've had this happy awakening moment my shadow's gone now it's like think again the brighter the light look shadow grows even longer (laughs) yeah and it too wants love our shadow wants that love all those facets, everything you put on that canvas wants the harmony too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, maybe, maybe that's, I'm just thinking out loud here, but maybe I've always thought about like the creative process is just basically kind of what you almost described there, right? Where, you know, the the uncertainty and being uncomfortable with not knowing how it's all going to work out. So that's like a mirror to living life. If everyone had a space in their life to just create without having to it to be, you know, um, their main profession or whatever, but they just had an outlet for creation. If that would be like almost like just the training wheel, you know, or the experience of creating would all then give you the confidence to be able to deal with what you just spoke about with this, which is that sort of brighter light and that, that uncertainty and that, and that unknowing, right? So, Hmm. I don't know. I just kind of, I just thought the parallels there. I was like, oh, if everybody had a creative outlet, maybe we'd all feel better about being, about not knowing and and mm. being uncomfortable. <laughs> what I'm hearing, seeing, sensing is your, um, your longing, the generosity, the longing that comes from the generosity of you're wanting that for people, for them too, for others to have that. That creative freedom. Yeah. Oh, that freedom, Linda. You're right. Yeah. <sighs> now I just want to go paint. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure for me. And uh, thank you so much for inviting me to chat. It's my pleasure. The Body Soul Podcast is brought to you by Linda Nardelli. You can find out more about her book, Mystical Intimacy, on her website, lindanardelli.com, and on Amazon. The podcast is her deepening exploration of the book's messages and the teachings of Masindia. Music for this episode is from the Purple Planet Collection, written and performed by Chris Martin and Jeff Harvey, and the podcast editing by Igor Masharyakov.